What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Brox. Brox, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. Mets are playing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, listen, I wish I could say the same about my Yankees, man. We'll get into them a little later, but I love how the baseball season is back. I love how we're finally in the swing of things. Obviously, love watching all these teams. But, I mean, when your team isn't doing good, it's just – it, it kind of is tough, and I mean – Baseball, they could say, yeah, it's a long season. But, like, if you think about it, if your team wins 100 games, it's an amazing season, right? But then, like, if you're watching most of the games, you're still probably watching. Out of the 62 losses, you still probably watch, like, 50 of the losses. Like, it's tough on the fan, man. Baseball is a tough sport for a diehard fan of a team to watch because of how many games, like, you're really playing, how many games you end up losing, and how often you'll see your team fail. Yeah, I mean, as an expert in watching uh, <laughs> watching his team fail – yeah, no, it's tough. Um, yeah, I know the Yankees have had a tough start of the season. I mean, shouldn't be worried about them. Um, yeah, no, I definitely know what you're talking about. Uh, as a Mets fan, as just about every year of my life, I watch the Mets probably lose. Say I watch about like 130 games a year, maybe. Um, probably lose about like 70 of those. So, you yeah, know, it's uh, it's not fun watching uh, crappy baseball. But I think I think you'll be fine, Payo. I wouldn't be too worried about that. Yeah, listen, I hope so. It's definitely kind of interesting, you know what I mean? We get right into it right off the top, but uh, we'll get into some other stuff as well today. We haven't really been on in a little over a week. We'll probably try to keep this schedule where we recap one of the weekends, and then we recap the last week or so in baseball, and then give you guys a little bit of a preview for the week, for the next weekend coming up, and what's to come. But I guess we'll talk to the biggest really news that happened this past week. Uh, the San Diego Padres finally have a no-hitter, thanks to Joe Musgrove. Through the first one, I believe, I, I can't now remember how long the Padres have been around, maybe like 70 years almost or something like that. But those 112 pitches, 10 strikeouts, and a 3 nothing win last Friday against the Texas Rangers. I mean, look, I know like it's, it's one start. I mean, he's gotten off to a pretty good start this year. But, I mean, it, it like I feel like everybody knew this was coming out of Joe Musgrove because anytime the Pirates trade a pitcher, it's just always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wasn't on the hype train for Musgrove, and we got traded – I didn't think that he's a top end of the rotation type of guy. I mean, I mean any honestly, any guy can throw a no hitter. You've seen you've seen some pretty crappy pitchers throw like no hitters, perfect games. But um, now good for Musgrove though. The, pretty sure he's from San Diego, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, it's really good for the hometown kid. And I thought it was pretty crazy that I think his only the only uh, base runner for the Rangers was I think it was hit by pitch too. So it wasn't even like a walk. So he was that close to a perfect game too. So um no, that was that was pretty cool to see. First at the Padres. They was they said it was like their eight thousand, maybe like two hundredth game or something like that in franchise history. So almost like fifty something years they've been around. I'm pretty sure like fifty five years. I'm not wrong, but no that's cool to see. First uh, no hitter for a franchise. And now every MLB team has had a no hitter, so Yeah, uh, cool. I mean I know now, I mean, because, listen, your your franchise was part of the whatchamacallit, part of that long wait. I know, obviously, you were at whatchamacallit, you got to witness it literally in person. But, I mean, it's got to be a crazy feeling to see your team. And, I mean, what, like, like this is what I mean. Like, the Padres just plays into the fact about how they're just this exciting, young, and up-and-coming team. Because, obviously, it's just one game. The guys don't know who it is. But it's like, oh, Fernando Tatis goes out. All right, guys, somebody else has to keep the fans entertained. All right, Joe, go throw a no-hitter for us. It's, like, unbelievable. I wish you could whatchamacallit. You, you wish you could see your guys. But good for Joe Musgrove. Like you said, San Diego kid uh, probably envisioned 
when he was younger, throwing a no-hitter for the San Diego Padres. I mean, crazy how life comes full circle. Uh, used to be in the Watcher Wall. Used to be in um, Houston's organization. And then was traded for Garrett Cole. And then um, was uh, traded, obviously, this past offseason. I can't think who San Diego gave up for him. But San Diego definitely gave up. Like I remember at the time, I was like pretty shocked. I mean, he was the he was like the ace, I guess you could say, of the Pirates staff last year. But um, San Diego definitely saw something with him. And like I said, I mean, he hasn't given up a run yet in 15 innings, 18 strikeouts. Definitely off to a good start in his young Padres career. And, I mean, you have him with Darvish, who's pitching all right. I mean, Blake's not pitched great so far yet. But you have Lamette and Clevenger both hurt. I mean, that's San Diego rotation. If Musgrove's going, like, if he's pitching, like, pretty well as the one, as you could argue he's their fifth most talented starter. I mean, that's absurd. Sure. Yeah, no, that's crazy. I mean, that's that's all the National League needs, right? The Padres to somehow get better. If if Musgrove can pitch, um, if you have a good year, honestly, like that'd be terrifying for the rest of the league. Um, I mean, it really looks like they're not gonna, like they're not gonna win their division, but it looks like the Dodgers are gonna handle the NL West pretty well. But um, no, I mean the Padres look scary, even though Tatis is out, and I'm I'm kind of nervous about his uh, there was a shoulder. I mean, last time. Last week, I said um, that it was something about his shoulder, and then a day later, it said, I think it was like some sort of um, dislocated shoulder. I think that's what it was. So that's something I keep an eye on that could happen in the future. But I think Tatis coming back soon will be good for them. Um, hopefully, he stays healthy because that's, that's their key. The Padres' key for me is Tatis. He's like, he's yeah. their energy, he's their lightning bolt. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. I think Tatis, yeah, the, I think the Padres will go as far as Tatis takes them. I mean, that team yeah. clearly rallies around him. Without him in the lineup, too, I mean, that's their best bat. I mean, besides, you have Machado. Machado's like, Machado's still good. Obviously, I don't think he's not as good as he was in Baltimore, but I mean, it's Tatis's team and it's not even close. I mean, it's almost Tatis's league, you could argue, what he's done for baseball really in the past season. But uh, yeah, maybe, hey, maybe we'll have to wait a while now to see the next no hitter around the league, or maybe it's coming a lot, lot sooner than everybody else thinks. But, uh, Move on to m- more of a sour note, I guess you could say, maybe for baseball. I mean, I don't think you would call this a sour note at all. We'll start with the first one because this started – this was last Thursday. Thursday. Yep. yep. Another another game that one of our deep ball um, members was in the stands for. Uh, Michael Conforto. Uh, what was the you – know, you remember the count and you don't remember the count. Well, he had two strikes on him, I know. Was it 0-2 it was, or was it like – uh, It was like one – it was 1-2, I think. One. Yeah, one, it was 1-2. Anthony yeah. Bass is on the mound. Gave up that home run to McNeil. He's battling out there. Conforto gets absolutely beat by a fastball, dips his elbow down. And, I mean, it's just a clear case of leaning in. And the ump, the ump was going to call it strike three. Conforto was like, it hit me. And the ump's like, oh, it hit him. And he takes first base, and the Mets win the game. I just think that's absolutely absurd. Brox, I'd love to hear what you think about this. <laughs> well, as a, as a fan who was in the stands for this one um, – it was really confusing, actually. So it was one, two, Conforto, and I was just freaking out because I want, I knew if the Mets won the extra innings, they were going to lose. And it was one, two, one, two count. It was one out, and he throws a hanging curve, and he looks at it. I'm like, oh my god! My whole section is like, are you kidding me? And then all of a sudden, he's walking the first, and we're like, what happened? And so we're like, all right, you hit him. We won. Um, so I'm so confused. I'm like, whatever. Like we won. I was happy. And my phone blows up. It's like, oh, Conforto, like. Some more they probably can't say on here, um, but it was just it was just conf- confusion at the game. Um, yeah, I understand that he kind of leaned in 
Um, I don't think it was actually intentional for him to lean into the pitch. I think, yeah, his elbow st- stuck out there, but um, I think that, yeah, it should not have been a hit-by-pitch. Um, I mean, obviously, his arm is in the strike zone. It should have been a strike. He should have been out. But the Mets won the game, and that stuff usually happens to the Mets. So it, it's about time that they got some good karma. But, you know, I can see why people are mad about that. I mean, the Marlins have the right to be mad about that. And even, like, the pitcher, Anthony Bass, he was pissed off after the game. But, I mean, buddy, you just gave up a moonshot to McNeil and he lowered <laughs> the bases. I mean, he kind of deserved to lose. I mean, next up, Pete's up next. So, Pete probably would have won the game for the Mets anyway. But, yeah, I, I'm not going to be a biased Mets fan and say that was legal. I mean, he should have been out. But it's the umpire's call, and then you can't review that. So, that's also another problem of replay. But I'll take the win. That's it. I'll take the opening day win. Yeah, listen, I mean, you could say the Mets stole that game, and then the Marlins came back the next game and stole one right from the Mets after oh Jacob DeGrom threw an absolute Jeez. masterpiece. So, <laughs> I, th- I think we're – I think that – I mean, as as much as the Marlins don't want to say they're even, uh, it, it's funny how baseball works out that way. But, yeah, you mentioned, like, we're replay about how that's not reviewable. I think, like, one of the new things with, like, instant replay is, like, I, I'm, like, personally a fan of instant replay because, like, I think, like, it's important to get it right. But, like, I'm also a fan of, like, instant replay, like, certain spots. Like, today in the Yankee game – um, like Higashioka, it's like the first inning. It's like the third batter. Like it's like, well, it's the third batter in the bottom of the first inning. And like they're challenging like Bobuchet, like stealing second base. I mean, it was like, I mean, I thought he was clearly safe. Like he got he got called safe too. Like so they lose their chance. It's like that. Like I, I don't know. Like like in the first inning, like how much will really that dick impact the game as much? I know if you're gonna have it, you really kind of have to use it all the time. But then like I don't get how like that's a call that literally the game depend is depending on and that play can't go to re like uh to replay review i think that's like pretty crazy i think that's like one of the problems of replay if you ask me i don't like i just like if you're gonna have replay i think you should be able to review almost everything aside from like if it's a ball or if it's a strike and then like i think i think they should you should be able to go to replay and see how like it hits them. I don't know then what the calling is. I don't know about the logistics, but if you're going to have replay in the sport, I think it has to be one of those things that like it could be used at, like to avoid things like this. Yeah, no. I See, I I also like replay. Like, yeah, there's sometimes like where calls need to be changed, but um, I think replay should be used to an extent. Like, I think it's kind of dumb that some things can't be reviewed like this. I mean, obviously the umpire, that's a blown call. Like, like bro. The, the umpire, the thing that got me confused, how he almost punched out Conforti, almost like, like said strike three, and then he said, oh, he pointed to his elbow. So there was something, I don't know what he was, the umpire was thinking there, but I think uh, it's just, review is just a whole topic of its own. I don't, I don't, I don't hate it, but I also think that there should be a fine line for some things being reviewed and some things that can't be reviewed. Um, it's not to say it's ruining the sport, but within the first week of first two weeks of the season, it's had two. Um, it's had two like games changed. Like that was like that happened with the Mets game, and then obviously we'll go into what happened with the Braves and Phillies too. So I think um, review has to be has to be uh, reviewed by the league, honestly. <laughs> a little pun on words there. Yeah, poor NL East teams, man. They can't catch a break with these replay no. reviews. I mean, then, like, you go on the opposite end of the spectrum. They did actually review this play. I mean, Alec Bohm slides into home plate. I- I'll still be on. Like, I still barely see him miss the plate. Like, I- like I honestly, like, I don't know. Like, he misses the plate. I don't really, like, it's not that close. Like, 
it's not that like, definitive. So I'll give the umpires a little bit of credit. But come, like I said, if you're going to replay it, then you got to get it right. You can't get it wrong if you're going to stop the game yeah. for that long and replay it. And again, that's a game that it's between two division rivals. Yes, it's still early in the year, but like it still plays with momentum and stuff like that. Like the Braves were down in that game, then they or they were up, and then they come back because Acuna hit the home run to tie it. But like, you know what I mean? It just like you don't know how the teams are going to react from that. You never know if like the tiebreak is at the end of the year. Now Phillies have the head to head. I mean, crazy thing. But I mean, if you're going to go replay a or like go to replay and go to the booth, you got to get it right because he was out. Yeah, I'll go with two things on this. First, I think the people who are, when they call, like the people in New York, the umpires there, should be like former players or some, like someone who gets the game. Like obviously umpires on the field, they're in the game, but like have someone else there that knows the game a little more, man. Like that, that call, like I've watched that video probably 20 times. And I try to convince myself that Bohm touched play, but which he obviously didn't. So I don't know how a human being can look at that and say, yeah, yeah, that he's safe. I mean, I guess like they can't overturn it, but I know I see the space where between his cleat, like his spike and the plate. So I don't get that. So I, I think honestly, it's the curse of the NL East. Besides the Phillies, the Mets have gotten screwed by. They haven't played, they played uh, what? Now eight games when they could have played 13. Um, the Nationals had COVID for like a weekend and an extra game. Um, the Braves got screwed on that call. The Marlins got screwed on their call. It's been a sort of weird um, start of the season for the NL East. Yeah, poor NL East, man. Everybody thought that's the only way you can keep the NL East down, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. All the forces have big how to keep them down because, I mean, they're all playing. Uh, I can't – I think I think technically – I, I think Atlanta's uh, – no, they're in fourth place. I think Atlanta, I think the Nationals are in last place. But – um. Yeah. One last thing, too, that I, I think, too, with replay, like, the people in New York that they go to replay also know the call on the field, I'm pretty sure. I, I, I'm pretty sure that was something they were talking about, or Vasquez was talking about. Like, like that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know how that would be possible, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it'd be so much better if the umpires almost didn't know the call on the field. Maybe that would play into, like, the fact where it's like, oh, we didn't have, like, clear and conclusive evidence, so we had to go with the call on the field. You know what I mean? So, but like, I mean, even the ump could say that, like if the ump's like, it's really just in New York, it's really not that clear. It's like, all right, so then we'll just go with the call on the field. But like, I feel like if the umpires like maybe didn't know the, cause you know what I mean? And like sometimes too, it is like almost of a, um, like you, you might be trying to like protect your umpires a little bit. Right. So like the guy in New York knows that like the home plate umpire calls, calls him safe on the field. So like, it's kind of like a bad look, I guess, if they call him out, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, oh, like you're telling everybody the home plate umpire did his job wrong. So, like, maybe you don't want to put the guy on blast, but, like, I don't know. Again, yeah, like, I, I mean, feel like you have to get something right. But that's why you've replay. I mean, obviously, if the umpire gets it wrong, I mean, what is, there's no, like, penalty towards the umpire. I feel like that's why there's replay, just to fix. It's a human mistake, you know what? Like, sometimes bang, bang plays at first base. Yeah, you know what? He calls him safe in the field, but he's out. All right. No one can, honestly, if that happens, like, say, Lindor, it's a ground ball and he's safe, but then the overturn it's out. Then I'm like, all right, well, he was out in the first place. I don't think I really cares about that. I think it's just a matter of just uh, I'm I'm actually losing my train of thought because review just gets me going at this point. I can't even nah, I don't even know what to say about review anymore. <laughs> Manfred, no, do something, now, man. Now, yeah, like you say, like do something, but like I'm I'm on the thing. Like they're, they're trying all those things in like the minor leagues, and I forgot exactly which one. I believe it's like single A is trying out the like uh, autumn. Made it strike zone or whatever, right? Like no, personally, that's, uh, like that's the Atlantic League. 
or it's the Atlantic, or one of the leagues. All I know is that some of the leagues are doing some crazy stuff. Although one of the leagues is doing this thing where it's like the pitcher, the starting pitcher is tied to the DH. I think that's really cool. So like if the pitcher gets pulled, if yeah. your starter gets pulled from this in the seventh inning, your DH comes out of the thing. I I honestly think that's genius. It rewards it. It will speed up the game because like a little bit maybe because people will want their starting pitchers to stay in. In an age where they're going to the bullpen in the fourth inning, it rewards starters who can go long into games, gives them more value in free agency. So I actually love that rule. I hope that rule potentially comes into the MLB because I don't love the idea of universal DH. I think it like takes away a lot of strategy uh, just having the DH, but um. One thing that I wanted to talk about, oh, like, do you think, like, I personally don't want, like, like a robot, like, robot umpires, basically. I, I don't know. I kind of think that, like, baseball in that sense, like, especially with the strikes on how, like, kind of adjust game to game and, like, how you have to adapt. Like, yeah, like, I might be, like, I might be watching a game and being, like, oh, wow, man, like, that ump is calling everything, like, low and away. But I feel like that's, like, baseball, you know what I mean? You just adapt to it. Like, I personally don't want to see, like, I, I want to see real umpires out there. No, man, like, the game evolves, but Robot Umpires just takes it to a new level where it's, like, like, what is this anymore? Like, it's not even a sport. Like, you know what? Like, it, you know, I'm contradicting myself, but, like, we got to get the calls right, but come on. We got the robotic umpires, man. Like, that's going to be – I don't know. I Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't like that. And also, side note, um, Indian – not Indians, White Sox pitcher Carlos Rondon has eight perfect innings right now. So we could be a live broadcasting a perfect game in here if we want to soon. Oh man. Is it? Yeah, White we Sox could versus the Sox, Indians. I'm not going to lie, man. When, when we were finishing up the first segment, I saw that he was perfect through seven. And I said, maybe the next no hitter will come a little sooner than we think, because I didn't, I didn't want to jinx him and I don't want to be responsible for the jinx. I don't know, man. You're playing with fire, bringing it up. But, yeah, listen, we'll keep an eye on it. And we'll you might get a live reaction out of us. Because, I mean, depending on how quickly the White Sox go down in this bottom of the eighth inning, I mean, you might you might get a live reaction out of us. But who knows? But uh, <laughs> enough enough with our robot umpires. Uh, let's kind of move on to our next topic. And this is more of a topic that I'm, like, a little passionate about. Uh, with, like, Fernando Tatis going down. And, like, I think this was last Tuesday now that he got hurt. I mean, like, listen, this guy has been, like, kind of, like, the proclaimed, like, face of baseball. Now, obviously, you have Mike Trout as the best player in baseball, but, like, Fernando Tatis was part of this, like, make baseball fun again. I think there's two other guys in the National League who, like, I honestly think I might argue are better than Fernando Tatis, and I think definitely one of the guys is more exciting in Ronald Acuna. But I think Juan Soto, too, also makes the argument that he's a better ball player than Tatis. Brox, I'll start with you first. Out of the big three, we'll say in the NL, the young big three in Acuna – Soto, Tatis, who do you think, A, is the most fun to watch, and B, who's the best one out of the three? You know, I first of all, I'm going to put Tatis last. I'm going to put, like, I'm going to go between Soto and Acuna, because Tatis is great, man, but I don't think he's played a full season yet. He hasn't played a full season in the big leagues. I I like him. He's, I mean, I'm not a big Padres fan, so that's why I don't love him that much, but um, I'm not going to put him up there with Soto and Acuna. Um yeah, I was thinking about this before, and I was – I know I – of course, I have to see these guys so many times because they play the Mets in the NL East, and they terrorize them. But um, I was going to – see, I was going to go Soto for both of them because I just think, like, his antics at the plate, like, when he does that little – like, when he takes a pitch and he does that little uh, shuffle, looks mm-hmm. at the pitcher, like, that pisses me off, but that's that's awesome. I love that. Um, But 
uh, it's dude after watching Acuna tonight um, on Sunday night, like when he beat out a like, regular ground ball, honestly, it was a hard hit ground ball where most guys like are going to get thrown out by a mile and this guy beat it out and then he gets nukes. I don't know. Acuna, I, I have to go Acuna, the most fun player to watch and probably the best player out of all of them. Honestly, Acuna is really close to Trout right now. Like I thought I'd never say that, but right now he's looking like he's going to be the next face of baseball. Once uh, once Trout starts uh going on the down, the downtrend I yeah, guess. Listen, listen, yeah, I'll start I'll start with Soto for listen. I love Fernando Tatis. I think Fernando Tatis is one of the most entertaining guys in baseball to watch. I love how he swings 3-0 when they're up by ten runs. Like there's no denying how good he is. There's no denying how much more it is. I think he's like I said. I don't think this is a knock on Fernando Tatis, but Juan Soto is an unbelievable hitter. And I mean, I don't yep. know how you like that though when he stares at the pitcher. Rudzinetto Dor does something weird too when he like does that. I know he's on the Yankees. I, I, I hate it. No, I hate it. I hate it because like when you, I watch a game, he's doing it's a Mets pitcher, and I know the next pitcher is gonna be a home run or a ball four. But, but I think it's awesome for the game for him to do that. Like probably old guys would be like, oh, it's not it's like there's no sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. But f that, who cares? I think that's awesome. I wish I can do. It. I wish I had the balls to do that. No, you're right. No, that is that is something too that like pitchers probably too, especially like some of the older pitchers probably just get like so angry, man. They probably like get the ball and they're gripping it so tight now they're like, oh man, that throw a ball on this guy, he's just gonna start staring at me and do that little lunge towards me. But uh, <laughs> I'll go back to my boy Ronald Acuna, man. I really started following him when he was coming up in like 2018 about how he was like this next big prospect in baseball. I mean, this guy's just unbelievable. And Acuna uh, in the homestand. The last six, they started on Friday. They played Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, including today. Acuna's hitting 609 with four home runs in the Braves' homestand right now. I mean, he's up to, he's uh, hitting over 450 on the season, had like a little like slow first weekend. But I mean, this guy's just unbelievable, man. Like you said with the single, I mean, it's also Didi Gregorius at shortstop, too, man. It's like, it's not like this guy was like a, like, not a good fielder. I mean, Didi Gregorius is a good fielder. Mm. Good fielder. I don't. I really don't. I still don't know what happened. It's not like Didi Gregorius like took three clutches and everything. Didi Gregorius fielded, fell, fielded. I can't even speak on that. You know what I mean? He took one step and then threw. And Acuna was he in there. He threw a dart. He threw a dart. Didi is a good arm. He threw a dart. Exactly. It's not like he lobbed it over there. I mean, Gary Sanchez wouldn't have even been halfway down the line. And like, just think about like how like much like a team can rally around that and see something like that and look what happens on that next pick Jazzy Albies takes it 425 to off Matt Moore but um yeah man Sunday Night Baseball has been two real good games so far I've been actually really yeah. impressed with Sunday Night Baseball I mean obviously you put guys like Shohei Otani who's another one he I think I know we're talking about nationally guys but he's another guy now who's becoming like finally into that conversation of the face of baseball baseball because he's been unbelievable to have to play and Otani did the same thing yesterday Otani beat out a ground ball to shortstop it's unbelievable man the guy it's it's that guy CC Sabathia I heard something on the Yankees game today said that Shohei Otani is the best baseball player he's ever seen and that, I mean that's saying something when you hear high praise from like Sabathia like that yeah Otani the ridiculous part about Otani is like he is what he's 30 years old 29 no, he's, he's not even that old no He's younger. No, he's younger. He's, he's, younger. he's still like 20. So, I think he's still in like 25 or 26. Because he he came over to Japan early. Like instead of waiting like three years in Japan so that he could get like whatever money he wanted. He 26. said he just wanted to come over early because he wanted to play early. Yeah, so he's still 26. I mean, 
His contract's up in a couple of years. He's going to get hella money if he stays healthy. Yeah, no, he's 26, man. Like, that's – he's ridiculous. I just watch it. He's such a violent swing, which is – I love mm-hmm. – I mean, I hate Bryce Harper, but his swing is awesome. When he connects with the ball, it's nukes. Um, so I, I love Otani's swing, and he's fast. Um, I don't – I've honestly never seen him play the field. Like, I know he plays, like – He's played left field or something like that. I've never I, seen him I play honestly, the field. I honestly can't think of a time where I saw Otani. I think he played like right field a little bit or like yeah, one of the corner outfield spots. I honestly can't think of a time watching God when he played like when me watching him in the field. He probably played there like early, and then once like he became like I don't know. I, I feel like now once he's like since he's like a predominant pitcher, like you know what I mean. Like I, I feel like you just should DH him. Just God forbid, so he doesn't get hurt. But I mean, without fast he is, the guy can definitely play center field. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Not playing over Trout, maybe. But. <laughs> no, not over Trout, but with the speed, and then obviously the guy has an arm. I mean, I would love to see this guy just from from like the outfield wall just throw it home. Honest, I feel like the guy can throw a dart to the plate. No, he's ridiculous. Um, I I I hope I can see that guy play more, man. Like I know he plays with the Angels. I mean, I, I don't watch many Angels games, but hopefully, maybe when his contract's up with the Angels, he uh. Heads to the NL East. Maybe wants to come to the Mets for a few years if he wants to. So I'll watch him a few more games. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, listen, like you said, it's just we're doing a good. They're doing a good job. The MLB, it seems like so far of getting kind of like their young and up and coming stars on ESPN on Sunday Night Baseball, which again I think is really good for the game of baseball, and it's just only going to help. Um, it's just going to help again. You know what I mean? Like it's going to help grow the game. I know the Braves again play on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, this week against the Chicago Cubs. So hopefully, again, this is just a thing that we could start growing the game of baseball and a lot more casual people can um start watching it. Because I, I don't know, like, I feel like maybe because it's like baseball is like back and everything. Obviously, there's no football. I'm not, not I haven't really been huge into the NBA anymore. But um, you know what I mean? Like, it's obviously like in football, you have Thursday night football, then you have Sunday night football, Monday night football, and everybody's watching. They're like, all oh, the casual fans watch that. I feel like that's the way Sunday night baseball should be. Like casual people on their TV should be like, oh, like, yeah. Let me throw on the Sunday night baseball game. Let me watch the baseball game. So hopefully that's the direction they go, and I hope it stays like that. Yeah, no, it's actually it's really good for the sport coming off a of COVID year um, to grow the game like this on on a national level. Um, ESPN's doing a really good job. So as much as I don't like ESPN, uh, you know, it's good to see and give it the exposure. I hope like they give the exposure to more teams, like because obviously they. Mm-hmm. They would obviously they're gonna favor good teams, which makes sense, makes some more money. But like once in a while, like throw like throw like an exciting young team who stinks out there. I don't know, like throw like the Royals on there once in a while. Maybe throw the Marlins on there. Who cares? I don't know. Um, but besides yeah, that, yeah, get Jazz Chisholm on there. Jazz Chisholm, oh, guys, not look, uh, not my favorite right now. I don't know. Not loving really? Jazz Chisholm. No, I mean he listen. He uh, hit that home run off the ground. I mean, good for him. Like the ground threw a hundred mile per hour fastball above the letters, and he crushed it. Then he was like saying how like after the game he was like, oh yeah, that wasn't like a hard hundred. Like he was like saying something stupid. I'm like, bro, just be <laughs> quiet. Take your home run. Because next team, next time the ground faced him, he's gonna strike him out on three pitches. So he has to watch his mouth there. Listen, before we get a little more into Jazz Tizzle, because these guys actually somebody who I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, like back to Ronald Acuna. Uh, the Yankees play the Braves next weekend. Hopefully, I'll be in attendance for that game. I haven't seen Ronald Acuna play in person. I have this thing now where it's like I want to try to get around and start seeing some of the best in the game. I know this year for sure when the Angels come to town because Trout's another guy I have never seen in person. 
kind of want to make my rounds, you know what I mean? Get to those guys. We'll see them in person. So that's something. I'll be sitting in right field too. So if, if I know Christian Pache, I just realized this now. Christian Pache just went on the DL. I know they have Ender and Ciarte who play center field too. Pache, they kind of platoon. If Ronald Acuna Jr. like doesn't play, I'll actually be like, I'll actually be so upset if I actually, obviously I'll be happy for the Yankees sake in their case. But I mean, come on, man. You buy, you buy Yankees Braves tickets. Obviously you want to see your team win, but like still want to see Acuna go out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, um, I don't blame you. Like I, I've seen, I, I think, yeah, I've seen Trout play. I went to a Mets Angels game, I think, at City Field in what, 2017. I saw Trout play. Um, you know, it's definitely cool to go to game and see like some, like some big stars play. Um, I went last week, as you guys saw on the Instagram, went to the Mets Phillies game in Philadelphia. Got to see um, the Mets first win of the year. I went to opening day. Got to see the second win of the year. It was a scary trend where I uh, almost saw every Mets win, so I almost had to go to every game. But thank God they won the past few nights. But, no, it's it's definitely nice to get back out to the ballpark. Um, it's um it's kind of weird with the social distancing. You're sitting with no one or you're sitting with a cardboard cutout next to you. Um, <laughs> but it's it's definitely nice. To, like, you can feel, like, the atmosphere. Like, honestly, when I went to opening day at City Field, like, it felt like it was, like I say, it was a packed stadium, but it felt like, there's a lot of people there when there's only in reality, 8,000 people there. So it was nice to get back out there with all, with the electric crowd. I mean, it was opening day, but it, it was, uh, it, it felt good to be back at, uh, at the ballpark. Yeah. Listen, man, it's been all been a year and a half since it's been I've been, too long. been to an in-person baseball game. So yeah, yeah. definitely. But yeah, well, listen, you were kind of saying, but we got, we got a little news on it, Prox. I think you might've been the jinx because Carlos Rendon hits Roberto Perez in the bo- in the top the ninth with one out. So this guy goes eight and a third perfect for a hit by pitch. It's definitely going to be something I want to see where it's like a case of like, could he have gotten out of the way? But dude, he had him 0-2, fouled off the 0-2 pitch, and then he hit him on the fourth pitch of the at-bat. That is brutal. Yeah, oh, man. Um, poor, poor Carlos Rendon, man. No, I mean, I... I, was, I had it on my phone the whole time. The first one, the first out of the inning, it was Josh Naylor. And he had a, like, a little dribble to, to um, Jose Abreu. And Rondon did not cover first. And Abreu barely beat him out, beat him to first. Jeez, and then they did a review it. So my mind's like the, Amon, the Amondo uh, Galarraga game where I think it was like oh. Jim Walt. Someone blew Jim Joyce. Know, Jim Joyce blew the call. And that's where my mind was going. So he got the out. And then the next next batter, he um hit Perez. But no, he he spiked the curve into his foot. There's no way. Was, I don't blame him. But right now, there's two outs. I'm, I'm not gonna go. We won't spoil it yet. There's two outs though, so hopefully you can get a no hitter. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll keep our eye on and listen. Kind of bring us into our last part of our show, where every time, every show now, we're gonna start kind of shouting out some of the top performers of the past week, some of the top teams, and then you know what? We'll, we'll give a little. We'll like kind of also mention who we're a little disappointed in. What players specifically uh, we are, what teams that maybe aren't living up to expectations. Brox, I'll take it away with you first. Who's a, who's a couple of players you want to shout out this week? Um, I'll go a little biased for the first guy. I'm going to shout out Brandon Nimmo. Um, for the offseason, everyone, oh, not everyone, I mean, myself at least, did not want to see Nimmo starting at center field for the Mets. And then he started this year. He played, he's playing fine defense, nothing crazy, but he's gotten on base every game. It seemed, and then today, I think he had like three or four hits yesterday, like three or four hits and between the double headers. Um, he's been really good with the bat. He's batting like at least over 
350 this so far. I mean, it's been what eight games for the Mets, but he's uh, had a really good start after an off season of just questioning his ability um, and wanting to replace him with guys like Springer or Bradley. So um, definitely, I'll give a shout out to Nemo for the start of the year. Yeah, listen, I love I love how Brandon Nemo sprints to first base every time he watches him go yeah. every time he walks. I mean, <laughs> I love that. You know, they're going to give you the base you get there. But, yeah, listen, definitely probably tough on Brandon Nimmo. Like, with Dom Smith and Conforto in the corner outfielder, at, at the corner outfield spots, then it's like, all right, let's bring in Springer. Oh, let's bring in Jackie Bradley. Like, we need a center fielder. It's like, you know, what about me, guys? My name is Brandon Nimmo. I'm a former first-rounder. Like, I've, I've proven that I can play at the major league level. Good for him. But, like, bringing Pilar and Amora, maybe not, like, crazy competition to beat. I don't know. Pilar plays a little bit against lefties, but yeah, good for Nimmo. I'll talk about a former Met though, Brox, who's hitting tremendous for the Detroit oh. Tigers. Wilson Ramos has got six bombs already. Oh, leads the league in league, league, Leads the league, man. Well, now he's tied with Acuna, but oh. <laughs> what do you think about that, man? The lazy Wilson Ramos. Unbelievable, man. It just, oh, I actually saw a tweet today. It was, I can't, I'm not going to be able to remember the third guy. Wilson Ramos has six home runs. Steven Matz is 2-0 with a great ERA. And somebody else who the Mets got rid of is playing pretty good right now. All right, I'll, I'll explain this one because this one really hurts. So, obviously, <laughs> you have Ramos doing well, which I don't care, whatever. I don't love – I don't care about Ramos. Um, Matz is doing well, which is good because Steven Matz did nothing wrong. He pitched – he had some good years here. I'm, I like Steven Matz, Long Island boy. And the last one really pissed me off. Jed Larry is batting third for the Oakland A's. That's what it, this guy that's is, what it is. This guy is pumping in runs like it's no one's business. I'm like, are you kidding me? But also, backstory just came out how he didn't play because he got hurt in like 2019. And then he came back um, late 2019, whenever, had some knee issues. And apparently, the Wilpons would not let him get some knee surgery. And, and he was like, all right, so I'm not going to. So he didn't play last year because of it. So I'm not going to fault Jed Larry on that. Um, even Rojas said today, he said, oh, yeah, Larry had some knee issues last year and he um, wasn't allowed to get surgery. So I'm not going to fault Larry on that, but it's just amazing. This guy, two years, robs the Mets of $20 million, not playing a single game. I mean, he had what, six at-bats maybe, um, and then comes back to Oakland and is just hitting ropes. Ropes. Yeah. Listen, he's, he's making up for Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon leaves. I mean, he wasn't great in 2020, 2019. Marcus Simeon, um, those that uh, the Marcus Simeon had the uh, like third in MVP voting. Now Jed Larry's like, all right, let me take over. Another guy who I'll shout out, Brox, is our man Carlos Rondon, who it might not have been a perfect game, <laughs> no hitter. I mean, the guy hasn't given up a run now all year, 14 innings. He's only given up two hits as the as the fifth starter on the Chicago White Sox. Lance Lynn's also been had, threw a real good game for them the other day. Uh, Lucas Giolito pitched phenomenal. I know they lost in extra innings, but yeah, man, good for the watch. Well, good for Carlos Rondon. I mean, this guy's literally the fifth starter again on the, um, on the White Sox. So yeah, man, it stinks that it's not a perfect game because of the hit by pitch in the ninth inning. But like, yo, you remember in, oh, this is, I believe this is 2011 when I think it was Phil, I think Philip Humber was one of them. And then it's Dallas yeah. Braden and Roy Holiday threw like three perfect, game, all of them threw perfect games within like the same month. Yes. Yep. So it was so listen, like April. Yeah, it was like it was April and May. I remember that because in the next month, Santana threw a no hitter for the Mets. Yep, that's how I remember that. Oh yeah, look at that. But uh, listen, I know obviously perfect game, not the same as a no hitter. But uh, we got two in less than a week. That's pretty absurd, man. I that's wonder what I actually no. do wonder with the okay. club. 
close this is between obviously there's probably gonna be a stat now that comes out about it but the closest days without it's probably like three or four days it probably this probably just missed it but still pretty impressive man. i mean it's only technically from when we're recording it's only five days apart so maybe it is but good good for carlos Rendona. yeah maybe the right white Sox who are towards the bottom of the al central i mean the al central is literally upside down i mean it's like the Twins and the White Sox are at the bottom of it. But maybe they can get something going and maybe they can ride this momentum, especially their pitching. Who would have thought their pitching is going to be their problem? And honestly, it's been – I mean, who would have thought that their hitting is going to be a problem? But honestly, their pitching's has played up and they have pitched all very well. Yeah, no, I mean, the White Sox, yeah, my, my pick to go to the World Series. Um, this is a good – I guess a good look for me right here. Um, congrats to Rendon. Um, I think this year, if you – like, obviously with two no-hitters in the first two weeks. But I, I have a feeling that it's gonna be a big pitching year. Um, uh, the Mets. I'm not. I'm gonna go to the Mets again. But the Mets. The last five games they've played, they've had great starts from their from their starters. They're starting five. Obviously, Degrom, um, best pitcher in baseball. Um, Stroman is looking really good. Taiwan Walker surprised me. Looked really good. And then they had David Peterson with a bad first start, but today had six innings, one run, ten strikeouts against the Phillies. So I think. Um, starters are going to be at a premium to deadline. Um, I think it's going to be a big year for pitching. Like, just what the first two weeks have been telling me. Um, and even with your Yankees, like, today was like, Kluber didn't look horrific, but um, starters, it looks like it's going to be a year for the starters, man. Maybe the Yankees go hunting for a, a starter at the deadline because I think it's it's a passively a big pitching year, man. I don't know. that's I'm getting the feeling from this first two weeks. Listen, I'm glad you're optimistic about uh, the pitching, and I'm really glad that they're, like you hope that there's going to be guys available because the New York Yankees, one of my disappointing teams, they're going to need to get a starter because, yes, Corey Kluber's stuff from a stuff perspective looked good today, but, again, he didn't make he, – he pitched four innings today. I know he's coming off uh, one – like pitched one inning last year. He's had some injuries, and notoriously, he isn't a great pitcher in April. And then once it gets to May, he revamps up. So I'm hoping he can get up. Jamison Tyone yesterday didn't give the Yankees any length. Domingo Herman has not been good. They sent him down. Mont- Montgomery's been their second-best pitcher. I mean, he pitched great in the first game, second game in battle. I mean, aside from Garrett Cole, their starting pitching is just not giving them depth. They've had to go to their bullpen. So, I mean, that, that was actually one of my disappointing teams. But uh, So, I'm glad. That was kind of funny how it segued in. And another starting pitcher who I – listen, I hope um, your optimism helps him a little bit. But Max Freed, man, of my other team, the Atlanta Braves, who was my other pick to go to the World Series, Max Freed. As over an 11 ERA, man, this guy was unbelievable last year. He didn't lose a game last year. I know he just went on the DL, so I'm hoping maybe it was something from uh, like, like his body wasn't right. I'm hoping he can get, he can get back to 100% because, like I said, the Braves offense is great. If they can get their pitching to complement it, that's just good for the sport of baseball because of how the potential of that team. I know maybe not good for your Mets in the NL East, but, yeah, Max Free, definitely a guy who uh, – a little disappointing of a start, but then listen, I'll go back to the, I'll go back to a team that's exciting me, a team that shouldn't have had any pitching, but their pitching's been all right. And they've been hitting the hell out of the ball. The Boston Red Sox, man, I don't like to give them a lot of credit, but I mean, when a team, I think they've won like, I think they've won 10 straight now. I mean, listen, hats off, man. They've swept the Rays. They're beating the twins, Well, they won nine straight. Listen, good for the Boston Red Sox. (laughs) Shattering expectations. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I said it before the year. They're gonna they're gonna hit the crap out of the ball, which they have. I didn't expect them to pitch uh, pitch this well, but I mean, good for them. It's early. I wouldn't be worried about them for the Yankees or any team in the AL um, East. Yeah, no, that's that's been a pretty cool story. I mean, what they got swept by the Orioles and they beat the or then they swept the Orioles and then they 
Um, like, who did I miss? The Rays. Really, they swept the Rays. They swept, and they the, swept the Twins. And then the Twins. Yeah. Those are two playoff teams that they beat. I mean, that's pretty good for them. Um, the Braves, man. I mean, yeah, Max Fried. Yeah, I hope he bounces back. Not really. Um, I mean, no, he's he's a good pitcher. He'll he'll figure it out. Um, then uh, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, the Braves lost tonight. No, I was just sorry. I was checking the Braves score. Mm-hmm. Loss to the Marlins. Another loss to the Braves. Tough, uh, tough start of the year for them. I don't know if they're gonna recover from that. That'd be a that'd be a shame. Yeah, listen, like I said, I hope they do. Now they dropped the four and eight last in the NL East. But uh, I'll shout out two last guys before, or one last guy, actually a guy who was playing in that game because I caught, I was catching the end of that game before we started recording. Listen, I know you said you didn't really like him, but Jazz Chisholm's another rookie now. I know Cabrian Hayes is hurt. I mean, maybe he can make a little run that rookie of the year. Oh, this is a guy who's a little electric, man. I don't get I don't like Jazz Chisholm. I mean, the guy's got the blue hair. I mean, he was he, he was causing uh Luke, he called Luke Jackson a buck, then he stole third. I mean, the guy's crazy fast. I mean, you know, absolute nuke off two time Cy Young Award winner Jacob DeGrom. Mm-hmm. So Listen, I, I like, I like, I love me some Jazz Chisholm, and uh, li- listen, hopefully he wants to. Hopefully he can keep this up, man. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a good player, good for the Marlins. I, I, I just have a bad taste in my mouth with him right now. Maybe next time he like, you know, gets on his knees and bows down to Degrom. I don't know. No, no, he, he's gonna be a good player. Um, it's just tough, man. There's so many good rookies in the NL East. Yeah, not rookies, but young guys in the NL East, man. I keep looking. All these stats is like, it was like the past three years, it was like the top pitchers in the NL, and it was Scherzer, Nola, DeGrom. Like, everything's coming up NL East right now, man, so. Yeah, man, the NL, the NL East, I mean, obviously you got your established guys. You have your Lindors, you have your Freddie Freemans, your Bryce Harpers, your JT Romutos. Now it's like, yeah, now you got – I mean, Acuna's obviously established now, but you know what I mean? Like, now you have the up-and-comers, Acuna, Soto. Maybe Jazz Chisholm gets into that thing. Michael can for Michael Conforto, maybe maybe not this year yet, but you know you know what I'm saying. You know I mean these guys are watching McCall. They're finally coming. Alec Bohm too on the Phillies is unbelievable. But um yeah man, one last guy I want to show a little bit of love too because of how good he's been playing. He's over a 500 on base percentage, five home runs, and I mean the guy's one of the best defenders in the outfield I've seen. Byron Buxton looks like he's finally coming together. Everything's finally coming together for him at the plate. Former number two overall pick of the 2012 draft. Uh, after Carlos Correa, he actually went that year. Carlos Correa won one, Buxton went two. But, yeah, good for Byron Buxton, and maybe he can help uh, the Twins rebound. Brox, anybody else you really want to shout out? Uh, I got to shout out this guy out. After his nuke tonight, Yermin Mercedes. I don't know if you saw the video. This guy an absolute rocket. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Now, this guy is ridiculous right now. Last time I checked, I think it was like what, three for five tonight. Um He's I think leads the MLB in, uh, in batting average. Yeah, this guy's been ridiculous. I, I don't, I, I don't know what the same. Let's see, he's batting 500 right now. He's already batting 500 on the dot. This guy has been an absolute machine. Um, he has three doubles, two home runs, seven RBIs. I mean, slugging percentage of 758, average percentage of 541. This guy's been an animal, man. Um, no, I mean, good for the White Sox. I mean, they just keep getting these studs, absolute studs, man. And this is like a diamond in the rough for them, too. It wasn't like he was a huge prospect. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'll shout out Mercedes. He definitely deserves some love. 
Yeah, Mercedes, uh, German Mercedes, man, absolute tank. And one last, one last guy. I'm sorry, I keep saying one last guy, but I mean, we said Buxton's in the AL Central. We even said Wilson Ramos, but I didn't even show some love to Wilson Ramos's teammate, Akil Badu, Akil Badu. Excuse me, this guy's unbelievable. At 23 at bats, he's got four home runs. I think 400 hit a grand slam. The uh, now this is almost like a week ago. But yeah, this guy's electric, man, for the Tigers. I shout out Akil Badu. I mean. Hmm. Like you said, the Tigers playing a little better than people thought. Probably won't keep it up. But, uh, yeah, Brox, anything now, too? I'll start first. Looking ahead to the weekend, I know specifically, obviously, I said I'm a little excited to see the Braves again on Sunday Night Baseball because I'll have what you want. I mean, I'll watch some of the other games. Obviously, today was on ESPN+, Plus, but that's another thing, too. I hate, like, the blackout rule and stuff like that with uh, some of the teams. But with, the, uh, with them playing this weekend, playing the Cubs, that'll be an interesting series. Obviously, you have Javi Baez on Chicago. I mean, they've, they've been really tough at the plate, Chicago, so hopefully they can pick it up. But uh, the Yankees play the Rays this weekend. Huge series for them. I'm hoping, as I said, they're one of my disappointing teams. I'm hoping they can rebound this week. I believe Garrett Cole is going to pitch on... Actually, maybe he won't pitch this series. That, maybe pitch a Sunday? No, he will, he will pitch this series. He pitch on Monday, so I'll pitch this series. But yeah, hopefully the Yankees can pick it up around... Uh, anything else, Brock, you want to looking forward to this weekend? I just hope the Mets can play a complete series because they haven't been able to do that yet this year. Everything's been rained out, COVID out. So hopefully the Mets and Rockies this weekend can uh, play a complete series. Mets arrive. Where is it? Coors Field? Coors Field. Coors Field. Coors Field, 2021, home of the 2021 All-Star Game. We didn't really touch about that, but, I mean, that home run derby is going to be awesome in Coors Field, no doubt about it. And let's say maybe we'll get a little bit of preview this year. With uh, like th- this coming series with Dom Smith coming up and Pete Alonso might be, might hit some yeah. moonshots in course field. You get the Rockies, man. I think I should be like, go go. You know what I mean? The Rockies are watching for <laughs> they're, they're getting yeah. <laughs> they're gonna get worse before they get better though. I mean, Trevor Story. We mentioned the deadline. Trevor Story gonna be a big commodity at the deadline, but we'll get into that in future episodes. But that's gonna do it for today's episode. Uh, be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the default underscore. Also starting up a new website as well. Uh, we haven't gotten into it yet, but we'll definitely start writing uh, more MLB-style blogs, especially, like, I know me and Brock's too, when we're watching our Yankee games or watching our Met games, if we see a game that just absolutely infuriates us, I'm sure we're going to get on it and get, like, an instant reaction. So definitely, if you're a Yankee or Mets fan, be sure to check out our website. But, I mean, really, if you're a fan of the baseball, uh, be sure to check out some articles. They'll be real good, real fun read, just another way for us to express our love for the game and uh, kind of, like, our takes on stuff like that. But, yeah. Uh, be sure to check out check out our other podcast as well for our football uh, episodes. Next week we got our mock draft coming. The episode after that we got like a group mock draft. I know Brock should be getting on the football podcast for the first time. Going to be a real interesting one. But uh, yeah, uh, take care everybody. Have a good one. Be safe.